Hey, good morning, church. Great to see you all. Welcome to Union Chapel. So glad you're here. My name is Greg Paris. We're thrilled to see your shining face today. This is the day the Lord has made, so we rejoice. And we're glad in it. And it's good to be together in God's family. We have, have begun a series on worship. You know, the, the missing element in the typical worship service is worship. It's just missing. And last week we tried to define what worship is. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, there's a day coming when people will worship God in spirit and truth, truth and spirit. And what we decided last night or last week is that worship in spirit and truth is to experience God. That's what it means, to encounter God. And so we want you to be part of an experience when you come to Union Chapel and when we gather corporately and when you leave here that you say, I heard from God, I experienced his touch, I received his encouragement, I was inspired in some way, and this means that you were a worshiper. And so we trust God that you will experience encounter God today. Today I want to talk about now the purpose of worship. Last week the definition, this week the purpose of worship. Why in the world do we get together as a group like this on a regular basis? What's the point? What's the purpose of that? And I can define that for you and we'll do so. I've chosen as our text today from the book of Psalms, Psalm 100. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the 100th Psalm. And this is a Psalm of David. It's a Psalm of worship and praise. And I hope it inspires and encourages you. Our custom is to stand when we hear God's word. So as you're able, thank you for doing that. Here is Psalm 100. Shout for the Lord. For joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And may God inspire and instruct us today through his word. You may be seated. Thank you so much. So we come to the question now in the context of worship. Now remember about sermons. Some sermons are about God. Some sermons are about you and the way you navigate the, your world and raise your family and do your job and those kinds of practical applications. And sometimes sermons are about us as the people of God, the faith, and people of the church. And so today is a sermon about us to help us understand the reason we gather together on a regular basis to do what we call a worship service. What is it about? What's the purpose? Why do we do it? There are two points on your outline, and they are two sides of the coin that answers the question, what is the purpose of worship? And the first one is this. Just write this down if you will. We are here to serve God. Serve God with praise, if you will. Now, the scripture is filled with words of praise to God. We just read a reference like this in Psalm 100. Many of the Psalms are about worship and celebration and praise to God. Psalms 95 to 100, uh, if you're interested in seeing some of the, this extravagant language, this exalted language from King David, Psalm 95 through Psalm 100, those are great psalms of worship and praise. You can just read those and feel, 
feel the, 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 the inspiration from those things. And so the scripture is filled with this. Let's listen to some other voices, current voices and historic voices, theologians and other leaders talking about worship. Look on the screen first at a, at a quote from Tim Keller. He's a local pastor in today's America. And he said, worship is seeing what God is worth and giving him what, it's, what he's worth. That's helpful, isn't it? Finding out what God is worth, giving him what he's worth. Look also at these words from Anglican theologian J.R. Packer from another generation. He said, I've experienced God's presence most powerfully in worship, often during the singing. I suppose because when we sing to him, we're looking hard in his direction. Now Karl Barth, uh, perhaps the greatest theologian of the last century, he wrote, Christian worship is the most momentous, the most urgent the most glorious action that can take place in human life. Strong and powerful words. One more quote. This is from Archbishop William Temple. He said, this is why worship, the worship of God is the only thing that can really save the whole person. And he wrote, the world can be saved by one thing, and that is worship. For to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the word and truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God and to devote the will to the purpose of God. Now that, that's thoughtful, isn't it? That's encouraging, that's helpful. Now last week I, I uh, had a little fun with describing the more traditional liturgical worship that we engage in our little church when I was growing up, it was a little more formal, and I had a little fun with that. But I don't want you to misunderstand that I was in some, somehow criticizing a more traditional liturgical style of worship. There's all kinds of ways to encounter God. There's all kinds of ways to worship God. For example, the, a naturalist can experience God in nature. Have you ever been in the outdoors and you've experienced nature in some kind of beautiful, majestic form and it connects you with God? You have, an, have a God counter? You, you have a spiritual moment because you're, in, you're experiencing God? Well, that's worship. Worship in truth and spirit is to experience God. And that can happen. Now, now you cross the line and, you, and it gets wacky when you start worshiping the tree. The tree is not to be worshiped. You're to worship the creator, not the creation. And, and, and so it's important to keep that distinction, but you can experience God that way. Sensates, for example, worship God through their five senses. So you may hear something or see something beautiful or, or smell incense or something that prompts you to think about the worship of God or the service of God. And so it's possible to worship authentically that way. Traditionalists walk with God through their ritual and their symbolism. This happens all the time. By the way, it's maybe helpful for you to know that, that whatever style of worship that you experience on a regular basis, here at Union Chapel, we have kind of an expressive style, kind of a more open style of worship, very little liturgy, very little formality. And we choose this style for various reasons. And some people like it and some people don't like it. But you should know that our worship style has been chosen not because it's the best, but because I think it it's, creates the best opportunity for us to reach as many people as possible in Delaware, Muncie, Delaware County. And so that's just what motivates us to do this. 
People say, do you like our worship style? And I will tell you, if we talk personally about that, I will say the last time I liked our worship style here was about 1987. You say, you don't, you don't like what we do now? Not personally, not so much. <laughs> but it's not about me, is it? It's about us. It's, try, it's trying to reach as many people as possible. That's what kind of drives the train. And so, and, and so the style isn't the point. My point is that there are all kinds of expressions that you can engage to be authentic in your worship. Ascetics, for example, draw strength from solitude with God. In some cases, cloister themselves for years or a lifetime away from everyone else just to devote every minute in their devotion to God. That's their style. Activists can energize themselves spiritually by their, by their confrontation. You can ac actually be a worshiper that way. Caregivers best worship God by caring for the physical needs of the people around them. I just want to expand your horizon here. Maybe you, maybe you are a caregiver. Maybe your profession, you're paid to care for the physical needs of others, either uh, in therapy or in a medical profession or some kind of caregiving support. Uh, you may wonder why it energizes you. Now, it exhausts you and frustrates you and stresses you out all at the same time, but there are moments when you go, man, that made me feel good helping that person. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because, because you've experienced God in that moment because you're, you're in your niche, you're in your sweet spot, you're in that purposeful place in which God created you, and you're giving praise to God in the context of the expression of those gifts. Enthusiasts can love God in the mystery and the celebration. Contemplatives can interact God with, through their adoration and solitude. Intellects can love God and serve God with their minds. So the style isn't the point. The style isn't the idea. The style isn't, isn't the goal. Some people can find God and worship God authentically in nature or through ritual or through mystery or through adoration or through their minds. All of those are legitimate means of expressing worship to God. And, you, and so therefore you experience God and encounter God in those ways. My my simple point is to remind us that unless and until we actually encounter God and experience God in the context of worship, that we're not really worshiping. We can be in the room, we can be saying the words, we can be singing the songs, but if we're not connecting to God, then suddenly we are missing the point. It's interesting, a man once dreamed that an angel escorted him to church on a Sunday. Now follow this. He has a dream an angel in his dream escorts him to a worship service. And there he saw the organist and the pianist playing vigorously, the choir singing beautifully, but nothing was heard. When the congregation sang, it was as if someone had pushed the mute button. No sound. The minister stood behind the pulpit, his lips moved, but there was no sound coming from him. So he's bewildered by this. He turns to his escort, this angel, and he says, hey, what's up with this? And the angel says to him, this is the way it sounds to us in heaven. He said, you hear nothing because there is nothing to hear. These people are engaged in a form of worship, but their thoughts are on other things and their hearts are far away. Now that's challenging, isn't it? It's a bit provocative. I wonder if God has heard our worship today. I wonder if God has heard your heart so far today. Yeah, it's challenging to think about. So 
Just a reminder, worship is not about entertainment. Worship is not about people on a platform entertaining people in the pew. Worship is not about people on the platform prompting people in the pew to entertain God. God does not need to be entertained. God does not need his heavenly ego stroked. He doesn't need anything that we have. God is holy. He's completely self-contained. He doesn't need it. But he, he asks for our praise. We want to find out what God is worth and give him what he's worth. We want to serve him with that praise because he's worthy of it. Not because he needs it, because it's right to give it to him. Because he's worth it. He's worthy of it. And so we serve him with praise. So worship is not about entertainment. Worship's neither about fundraising. This is a misapplication of a worship service. Now, Pastor Glenn rightly said in just a moment ago, we're going to receive the offering, a financial gift to the church, which is a, which is a, a very legitimate and actually central part of a worship service, a worship experience, because the Bible is clear that God calls us all into effective stewardship. We are all, all given resources and assets and abilities, and God calls on us to be good stewards to manage those resources in an effective biblical way. And so it is central to worship. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it's an expression of who you are and your willingness to give God of every aspect of your life. And so it's central to worship. It's, it's just a, right in the middle of it. But here at Union Chapel, if you're relatively new, you should know that we, we do talk about stewardship. We do it once a year. We do it during January. So mark your calendars. You want to skip church all through January. I mean, you wouldn't want to hear it because God has a lot to say about being a good steward, a good manager of these resources. The Bible is full of helpful information about that. And so we talk about that once a year. And then you should know also that we take up one special offering every year, not two. We take up one special offering. It's during Christmas and it's to help some other people somewhere. And so we take up one special offering and we also take one special promise and we call that faith promise and the faith promise budget is what we fund all of our mission initiatives here locally and globally and so it's a big part of who we are so not only do we ask individuals to be good stewards but we modeled stewardship as a local church by the way we give to the people around us and and so we just that's once a year for those things and that's it the rest of the year we treat everyone like adults. We treat you all like grown-ups. And we, we teach faithfully what God requires of us in this category and then let you manage that. And we trust you with that. You will never hear anyone up front in the life of our church standing up and begging for help. You know, if you don't, if you don't give more, we're not going to be able to keep the lights on. We can't, we can't pay the mortgage. Things are getting pretty desperate. We don't know if we're going to make it. Stop that. We don't do that because that doesn't work and it doesn't help and it's not good. So worship's not about that. It's not about begging for money. Neither is worship about group therapy. We have a lot of, a lot of places now that like to talk about people's issues and talk about people's emotions and talk about their psychology. And there's all kinds of addressing of those, those kind of subjects 
in today's uh, modern Christian world. But here's what we believe. We believe that when you have a legitimate, authentic encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ, that that can become a transforming moment in your life. We believe that if you will have an experience with the presence of God in your life, that that will be an objective opportunity for your life to be substantially changed, that you will be altered in the presence of God. This isn't about feeling better. This isn't about thinking differently. This isn't about any of those psychological sciences things, which have their place and have their value. Worship, though, is about asking us to raise our faith, raise our expectation by serving God with praise, finding out what God is worth and giving him what he's worth and then allowing his presence to have its effect on us. And so that leads me then to the second point. This is a, this is a, this is a very, this is a very important, very important idea. Not only do we serve God with praise, but number two, we serve people with his sufficiency. So the purpose of our gathering together is to serve God with praise. And the flip side of the coin is to serve people with his sufficiency. The scripture consistently shows that God calls his creatures to worship in his presence that he might release, redeem, renew, and restore people. So in our churches, listen, a lost consciousness of people is as much at fault as any lost consciousness of God. Look at Psalm 1611. I'll put it on the screen. It's a very short verse. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of God and fullness of joy. So God wants worship to serve him and fulfill his people. You have to have an ear for this now because I, I want to raise expectation. I want to raise anticipation in you anytime we gather together. Authentic worship of God is to God and it's for people. I already mentioned that God doesn't need anyone stroking his ego. He doesn't need us doing that. So worship isn't designed to make God feel better about himself. Worship is actually designed to allow us to offer to God what he deserves what is right and proper and, and, and appropriate to serve God with praise and then also designed to allow God to meet our needs with his sufficiency. That God actually wants to, as a part of the design of worship, he wants to have the intimacy, the warmth, the fulfilling, intimate connection with us, not just so we can give him what he deserves, but also so he can give us what we need. This is a great God we serve. This is a great God. We talked about the pagan gods last week. Listen, the pagan God is precocious. He's adolescent. He's, he's immature. He's needy. Uh, he's a scoundrel. He's just a great big human being with all the, all the human attributes and flaws. But God is a holy God. 
The holiness of God is something that the world can't comprehend. Other religions can't comprehend. God is self-contained. The, the, the God of the Bible is a God who presents himself as worthy of praise and then desirous to be in relationship with us. He wants to connect with us. He wants to, he wants to minister to us. So anytime you come to the service, when you leave, the goal that I have for us is that when you leave, you say, I heard, I heard a word from God today. I received his touch today. I was inspired today. I got something out of that. I, 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 I sense the touch of God in my life. That should be the expectation because God wants to minister to us. It's his good pleasure to meet the needs of his people. Many of you are not old enough to remember one of the Christian icons of America and indeed the world. His name was Oral Roberts. There's still a university named after him in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which he founded many years ago. Now, Oral was a Oral was a force of nature. I mean, he was a bigger than life kind of person, uh, you know, evangelist, and, and, and he was out there, bold, bold faith, uh, not without his critics. You know, just anyone who kind of puts it out on the extremes like that is going to be subject to uh, some criticism. And Oral Roberts was one of the first guys to, to appear on television decades ago. Now, for you young people in the room, this is when television first came on the scene in the United States, the, the pictures were not in high def. The, and they weren't in color. It, basically, you could see some images. When it, when it first came out, uh, it was almost shadow-like. I can see some people moving around. I can hear them talking. It's not, it's not great. But it's something better than nothing. And Oral Roberts came on TV way back in the day. And when, when he, his program would come on, he had this little theme song that he would play every time the program came on. And here are the lyrics. Something good is going to happen to you. Happen to you this very day. Something good is going to happen to you, happen to you, this very day, something good is going to happen to you, Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. Oh, yeah. I'll be autographing CDs right after the service. <laughs> Retirement fund. <laughs> I'm not counting on it. So, <laughs> so what's going on there? You say, well, that sounds like a little third grade Sunday school song. Did you hear the words? Now, what's happening? What's happening there? Here's a guy named Oral Roberts who knows something. He knows that the purpose of worship is to serve God with praise and to meet the needs of people with God's sufficiency and his grace. And so this little song captures it, doesn't it? This little song now raises expectation. Hey, you've tuned into this broadcast today. You've come to worship service today. Here, here's something I want, want you to know. There's good news. Jesus Christ is alive and well. 
He is among us. Because the Bible says, where two or more gathered in his name, there I am in the midst of you. And so Jesus has come to worship today. He is, he is among us. He is present. And so we should give him what he's worth. We should serve him today with praise. Maybe it's in the singing. Maybe it's in the prayers. Maybe it's in the, in the intentionality of learning the truth of God's word. But in all of these ways, we want to serve God with praise. We want to honor him. And as it turns out, God also wants to bless us, minister to us, and to meet our needs. And so we say, not only is Jesus alive and well, he's here. He is among us. Do you have a need today? Good news. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He's passing by. And here's an opportunity for you to say, God, I do have a need. God, I'm here because I'm confused. I, 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 I need wisdom. I need to know what to do in this situation. I've got a difficult circumstance. Please give me your wisdom. Or you may, you may say, Lord, I'm in, a, I'm in a dark place. I'm discouraged. I, I just, I'm losing hope. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Lord, I need to know you're with me. I need to know I can trust you. I need to know your hope in my life. Or maybe, maybe you're not feeling well or someone who is precious to you is hurting in their, in their physical body. And you say, Lord, I need your healing grace on my life or on someone I love. Lord, I have needs. Maybe you have a financial crisis or challenge or, or a parenting challenge or all the various ways that people bring need into the context of worship. And here's what God says to us. As you serve me with praise, I will release my presence. Because, because in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, there's hope. In his presence, there's meaningful answers to the question. In God's presence, life transformation happens. And that's why we gather. That's the purpose. That's the idea. That's the point. And so when we come into worship... What we want to do is we want to, we want to allow our faith to expand a bit. God, help my faith to be greater. Help my faith to grow. Help my faith to become more substantial. Lord, raise my expectation. Raise my anticipation. Lord, Lord I, I'm in worship today, and I'm here because I'm expecting to encounter you, to receive your touch, to hear your voice. So I, I know what I'm doing right now. I'm redefining for you what church is all about. So a guy like, like last night walks into our church and he leaves and, he, and here's his compliment. This is the first church I've ever been to I didn't hate. Okay, now there's a start. That's, that's a start. I was in, I was in uh, one of the restrooms a couple of years ago in between services. And there were a couple of young guys in there and they were standing at the sink, you know, washing up and getting ready to leave. And one of the young guys, and I didn't recognize either one of them. Now I'm about, I'm about to curse, but I'm quoting the guy that was in the restroom. So brace yourself. <laughs> and I'm standing there and they, and they didn't know me. Apparently they didn't see me or recognize me. And so they're in there and they're finishing, they're cleaning up, finishing up. And the one, one young man turned to the other one. And he said, damn, I love this church. Just like that. And I thought, that's the guy I'm trying to reach right there. He's my guy. I love that that guy's here. And, and, and so, so you, just, you just want to create an atmosphere that provides opportunity for people to encounter God. That's, that's it. 
That's the point. Because that's the purpose of worship. To serve God with praise. And to allow him to meet our needs with his grace. Is this too complicated? Is this too complex? It's, it's made simple so all of us can engage it. God's business is to reduce barriers. And that's what he's done. He just pulled them all down. He said, come on. It's, it's, whosoever will may come. You're welcome. You're welcome in the family. You're welcome to the table. Experience my love for you. It's an amazing grace. It's a glorious gospel following Jesus. One more story and I'll be done. A little five-year-old guy was standing at these glass sliding doors on the back of his house facing the backyard. And the mom knew that a big thunderstorm was, was rolling up. And as he stood there with his nose pressed up against the window, she was moving toward him to kind of pull him away from the window because the weather was threatening. Before she could get to him, a massive lightning bolt literally comes straight down and hits, hits the ground right in their backyard, just feet away from where this kid's standing at the window. And I mean, it just explodes, you can imagine. It comes down and sparks fly and it's like a bomb goes off. You can imagine, if you've ever been close to a lightning strike like that, many of us have probably have, it's just awesome. An incredible amount of energy and power. And it just shook the window and blast, you know, and the kid just, oh, just staggered back like this. And his mother just, her heart dropped, sank. She just thought, oh, he's going to be terrorized by this moment. It's going to, it'll probably scar him for life. You know, she's, she's wrestling with all this trauma. And so she moves toward this boy, reaching out toward him to try to console him. And just before she gets to him, he spins around and throws his hands up in the air and raises his head and he goes, cool, God, just like that. <laughs> That's worship. That's worship. That's worship. So let's find out what he's worth. Give him what he's worth. And then, and then allow him to minister to us. Would you do that right now? Would you bow your heads? Lord, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you that today in your presence there's fullness of joy. We thank you, God, that as we have served you with praise, best we know how, help us, God, to eliminate all those barriers that we might relinquish the reins of control and self-reliance and independence, that we might learn to worship you authentically in truth and spirit laying aside every weight and encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us and just offer to you what you're worth. Help us to do that. And Lord, I pray also now in this moment, as you've promised to be among us and we welcome you here, we pray that you would meet us at the point of our need. Lord, every single one of us have needs 
And so we pray by your grace that you would minister to each one. Friends, as I went through that list just a moment ago, I know I named your need. Confusion, discouragement, hopelessness, disease, financial crisis, relational crisis, business crisis. Lord, so many needs. And yet you are the, you are the one who provides grace sufficient, grace sufficient for every need. So right now, Lord, we receive, we say yes, yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for reminding us that you're with us. You can be trusted, that you love us. You'll never leave us alone. Now allow your spirit to impart your truth, your hope, your life, your power, your grace into every life. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. And the people said, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?